Hey, this is a Hakawati production. Hey, hi there. Welcome to the men's room. I know we're all having a weird time these days with this whole coronavirus thing, or COVID 19, if you want to be all fancy about it. Anyway, I can think of plenty of other creative names I'd like to call it. Definitely not the Wuhan virus, though. That's what Trump likes to call it, but that was before it put a real stick in his wheels. But we're way beyond that now. It's more like the UN virus. No, wait, that doesn't sound right either. Anyways, there are a lot of theories out there about where this crazy infectious virus came from. I guess that remains to be seen. I just hope all this madness ends soon. Thankfully, Life goes on, and we still have plenty of entertainment available. We're so lucky we can order food, watch films, listen to music. And my next guest is just the person to remind us of all those beautiful things. He's a young opera singer who recently surprised everyone by making it onto The Voice France, a platform usually reserved for pop artists. And as of last year, he's also an actor. Please welcome Matteo El Chodor. Hi, Matteo. Hello. So, first of all, it's worth pointing out to people listening that we're both in Beirut right now, but we have you on by remote.、Uh, you're at your home observing this quarantine thing. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Even though I'm in my house, but well, you're having me anyway. Yes, well, I got, I got lucky. I'm the lucky one. So,、uh, you're an opera singer. I'm an opera singer, I'm a countertenor. A countertenor. Okay. Yeah. What does that mean? So, the countertenor、uh, is a rare male voice that's,、uh, that was very, very into,、uh, very fashionable during the 17th and the 18th century. And it was the castrati voices back then. And then the countertenor was born in the early 20th century with a guy named Alfred Deller.、Uh, and、uh, he started singing with this voice. And they realized later that we are the heritage of those castratis. And it's a rare male voice. So, in the opera, World, you have many voices. You have the tenor, you have the baritone, you have the bass, and you have the countertenor, which is the rare, rarest one and the most, uh, most um, uh, pricey one, actually. You mean in terms of the fees that you command when you're performing? Not only the fees, because of its rarity. So it's very uh, uh, recherche. Like everybody looks for the countertenor, everybody is hiring the countertenor because it's a rare male voice and it's a special technique that we have here. So、uh, it's not very mainstream. You, you cannot find it in every corner. So, what does that mean exactly, countertenor? Is it kind of like、um, to, to counter the low、uh, tonality of tenor? So it's a higher pitch? Uh, yes, actually, maybe if you can、uh, put it like that in the etymology. But the thing is that uh, uh, the countertenor is a mixed voice between the tenor, the bass, bass baritone, and the mezzo soprano. So it's a very、uh, unusual and androgyne voice that a guy has. And it's very, very rare. And the thing is that uh, uh, Everybody looks for countertenors. So we're 64 in the world, and I'm the only one in the Middle East. So this makes me really、uh, proud and happy. <laughs> this is my pride and glory. How, how do you become that? Like, at what point did you decide not only I want to be an opera singer, but I'm going to develop this technique and this voice that's so rare?、Uh, 
I didn't mean to be an opera singer. You cannot believe that, I think. I think. But uh, uh, being a countertenor is something you're born with. It's a voice that you have and it's a voice that you de develop. But uh, when I was a kid, I used to imitate. I'm a very curious guy. Uh, so, uh, And I was a very curious uh, child. So I used to imitate all the voices, used to touch everything, used to uh, read a lot, used to uh, watch a lot of things. So uh, when my parents used to play opera at the house or even the Disney uh, princesses uh, and the Disney musicals. So I used uh, to uh, to imitate all these feminine voices when I was a child and it sounded really good to my parents' ears. And uh, uh, they discovered that I had actually a big potential, but we didn't know what was this particularity of this voice because this voice is not heard anywhere else before. And even my parents, it wasn't like the counterterrors weren't trendy back then. They did a big uh, comeback uh, during um, the, the years uh, 2000, uh, starting 2004, 2005. But before, uh, they were practically inexistent. And uh, we were very, we had mixed feelings concerning this voice. Why is he singing with a woman's voice? But the voice seems beautiful. Oh my God. And... Uh, uh, so I w it was a hobby for me to sing, not nothing more, nothing less, uh, with all the other hobbies that I got. So, so I was a... Yes, mm -hmm. So, wait, you said it became a trend again in 2004, 2005. Uh, somehow I must have missed that. So what do you mean it was a trend? Because opera uh, seems like kind of a uh, dying art. I mean, even uh, Peter Galb, who's the general manager of the Met, not too long ago said the grand opera in itself is a kind of a dinosaur of an art form. So... To say that it was a trend, explain what you mean. Uh, yes. So uh, uh, after uh, the discovery that I had a wonderful uh, voice, but we didn't know what was it. At uh, 17 years old, I signed a contract. To, I was singing with my mom's for my mom's birthday here in Beirut, and I got many propositions of many producer people who were present at the party, and uh, uh, they gave me cards and stuff. And to make long story short, three months later, I was 17 years old. I signed a big contract with Universal Music France, and at 18 years old, I had to move to Paris to learn music so my hobby became my job and at very early age because I didn't know what was happening in my life everything was happening really fast and uh, it was very uh, overwhelming for me and for all my family because I had something else in mind I didn't have uh, uh, the opera studies uh, uh, in, in my in all my plans I wanted to become an archaeologist at the, uh, at the beginning and my dad refused so I had to, to do architecture so, um, and then when I arrived to Paris, I met the uh, few people from the opera uh, world and uh, my, uh, my teaching became, uh, actually became... Uh, very serious. So I had teachers, professional people from Paris, and you know, Paris is very different from Lebanon. When you when you're in France, you're in the in the in the roots of the Baroque and the opera music, and even the music in general. And I had experts around me who explained to me that I was a countertenor. So I discovered that I was a countertenor after signing a contract, and uh, then. 
because I was aware that I was a countertenor, I saw a lot, a lot of beautiful uh, music that was uh, rising from here and there. And 2004, 5, 6, 7, till 10, there was a booming of the countertenors in the opera world. And hence, um, the modernization of, the, of, the, of this dinosaur that you were talking about. Because everybody thinks that opera is, uh, there's a lot of dust on it, it's very old, it's for old people. But since 2010, it became very attractive to a lot of generations because the collaboration and almost counter all the all the counter tenors are doing collaboration with pop stars and stuff like that. Can you give an example? Yes, you know Cirque du Soleil. Of course, it's from my hometown yes. of Quebec. Really? So you're from Quebec? Okay. Yeah. Le Cirque du Soleil. Uh, there is no women singing. All the women are men. There are countertenors. So uh, uh, these androgenic, very weird voices are countertenors. Uh, for example, you have uh, Sarah Brightman or Céline Dion. They used countertenors with them. Or the haute contre. Haute contre is the countertenor that sings a little bit low. So, uh, yeah, there was a booming of these countertenors. And I was really, uh, my, my teacher was Italian. She was telling me, bevere la musica. So uh, we had to drink music all the time. So I was teaching myself Everything what I what I was doing during the day was uh, like drinking music, learning music, listening to many versions, uh, many singers, etc. So this this made me who I am right now, and I introduced the baroque music and this counter tenor voice to the Middle East in 2007. So you stayed in in France for three years. Ten years. Ten years. My math and is two years in Genève. Excellent. Yeah. But uh, my first, <laughs> yeah, but my first concert in Lebanon with me as a professional person was in 2007. Okay. People were amazed by this voice, by the and I introduced the countertenor voice to the people here. So it was a, it was something very big for the opera for the opera scene here in Lebanon and then the Middle East. Where was that concert? This concert was in Eglise Saint-Joseph in USG. It was really a very cute, beautiful concert. It was a, a ballad in the countertenor's world. And it was an introduction for the people who didn't know what was happening in this Baroque world. So it was very easy. There was people... Uh, and the people were family and friends. And then the next concert, it was like the whole Lebanon who was there. And I was really very proud from what I achieved in during like two years uh, to introduce something very weird and very niche to this uh, Oriental or pop-based uh, culture. To be fair, there haven't, there aren't that many very well-known opera singers, especially right now. There have been in the last couple of decades, I guess, uh, Pavarotti, for example, who was as big of a pop star as a, as they come, and then exactly. the three tenors. But right now, it seems like it's a little bit uh, quiet. So it's interesting that you say that it that the trend re-emerged. Do you feel that really has, or that it needs to emerge more, perhaps? It needs it, it needs to emerge more absolutely, and this might be doable uniquely by colla doing collaborations with mainstream artists or very big stars. For example, I don't mind an opera singer singing uh, an opera singer singing with uh, with uh, Lady Gaga or singing with Madonna or something like this. It could be doable. You know what would be really uh, cool would be like with a rap artist, like some rap. Absolutely, that would be absolutely. awesome. Absolutely, have be lyrical so cool. voices uh, behind it. it. It could be amazing. So. Um, Eventually, um, so you've had this kind of career as a 
you know, rare voice. And recently you made it onto The Voice France. How did that happen? Uh, okay, so uh, I told you my, my, my biggest aim actually is to to democratize la democratization of uh, of this genre of this voice because it I don't I don't I'm a person who doesn't like to be put in a box. I've always been very uh, versatile in everything that I was doing uh, the whole uh, my whole life, and um, uh, so I wanted actually to. Uh, not modernized, but to make it accessible to many people, not to put it in this like, you know, velvety uh, uh, box. No, uh, opera, it has to be for everyone. Uh, it has to be a democracy. It has to be, um, voila, for accessible. everyone. So, I know what you mean. Accessible, yes. I don't want pricey tickets. For example, all my concerts are free. I don't want people to pay. How do you make money then? From the sponsors, I have my sponsors everywhere in the world. So every in every country, I do have my sponsors who sponsors everything for the people not to pay. So when when we are in a part of a festival, it's this is different because it, it has to we have to have ticketing. But uh, the sponsors they usually pay my fee and they pay and they pay the fees of uh, this is why we have sponsorships because we have to let the culture accessible to everyone and the culture has to be uh, like culture has to be free. Yeah. So. So is that kind of what your uh, career is like, is um, doing sponsored shows around the world? I mean, I'm trying to understand how you make a living. Yes, from... when, you're a part of, when you're part actually of a production house, this is very different. But when I, when I do my concerts, my personal concerts, my personal recitals, my personal anything, I bring sponsors and I, and I don't want people to pay because... Uh, it's it's my production so these are my decisions and my rules so for the voice i was invited by this wonderful lady who has an uh, ngo here in lebanon it's called gift of gift of life and uh, i'm part of the committee too so uh, we uh, we gather money to save uh, children with uh, with heart diseases so uh, I, I, I am always working with this lady and she calls me and tells me that we have um, a charity event in Cannes in south of France. So if I am interested to go and uh, do a concert there for her. I told her, of course. So, no, actually, it wasn't a concert, excuse me. It was a competition, a singing competition, and I had to be the jury, one of the juries. The judge, okay. Uh, one of the judges, yes. So uh, I went there, and uh, who's with me uh, with the in a part of the judges? Uh, the casting director of The Voice France and Eurovision. So we know each other. It's been a long time uh, from the Paris music field, and you know it's a very small circle, so everybody knows everybody. And um, I told uh, we we started chatting, etc. And uh, the competition went really well. So I went on stage to give uh, a trophy to one of the contestants, and then. Uh, uh, after everything was done, I took the microphone. I was explaining to everyone from the audience who who, who I am and what do I do and uh, my profession and what's the kind of my voice. And uh, and then I started singing. So he jumps. Uh, to, so Bruno, the guy, uh, the casting director, jumps from his chair with his phone and started recording everything that I was doing. Let's say I was singing Carmen. So it's a very known aria. I love that uh, piece. I'm sure you know it. Yeah. You know it, right? Yes. So uh, I was singing Carmen and he was like completely going crazy on his phone and uh, then he, he grabs me and tells me that he needs me to, uh, in, uh, to represent Lebanon in The Voice. I was like, oh my God, are you serious? He tells me, yes, you don't have to, to do all the shitty castings that we do before. We just jump for the, for the last three uh, auditions and then we'll see what will happen. 
So uh, I took the opportunity. I told myself, I'm going to take it as an adventure, as a new experience. And why not? Let's see what's happening. And then I made it. <laughs> wow. It's interesting. Um, you're kind of a wild card, though, because most of the people on that show are pop artists. Do, yeah. you, do you feel a little bit like the black sheep? Uh, no, you know why? Because uh, everything, yeah, uh, out of 20,000 contestants that ap uh, applied for The Voice France, 20,000, can you imagine? They kept 53. So, the f yeah, the 53 are extremely different. Every person is in, uh, has his, uh, his own world, uh, his own style, his own genre, his own voice, and nobody is like anybody else. So I'm the only countertenor in the whole uh, casting of The Voice, and I was very, very happy about it because it's a voice. We don't have to be a pop, star, a pop singer or a rock singer to fit in The Voice. It's called The Voice, and I'm a voice. So You are. You're definitely a voice. A yeah. <laughs> But um, I know a lot of people, or some people, were saying that the, you had a bit of an unfair advantage because technically you're already a professional singer, while meanwhile the other artists are, you know, just starting out. Did, did you feel that at all? Do you feel that you have an no, unfair advantage? No, not at all. You know what? Because we're half-half. Uh, half of them are amateurs and half of them are really professional. Uh, the Voice is not a beginning a beginner's um, uh, show at all. It's called, It's not giving an opportunity to someone who didn't make it. It's something that uh, you're sharing with people. And uh, voila, so uh, it's open for anyone. Anyone can sing, who can uh, can come to The Voice. If he's a beginner and he has a good technique, why not? Mm. And if, if he's a professional, why not too? So uh, look at Hiba Tawaji, for example. She was a professional and she came to The Voice and uh, voila. And um, how's her career people, going? She's fine. She's fantastic. We had a we had a little chit chat last time um, two weeks ago, and she was because she, we used to be at the same school. Actually, <laughs> the president of our school must be very very proud. <laughs> Definitely. Do you really think that um, being on that show is um, kind of guarantees in some way your success? How important of a role is this going to play in your career? You know, I didn't even think about uh, this part when I was uh, going into this experience because uh, uh, come what may, this is what I tell myself every day. So I have nothing planned in my head. I'm sure, I'm sure that I had a lot of exposure for the, during the blind auditions. It was fun. I wasn't expecting this at all. So I was receiving the support of every single Lebanese in the world and every single French person in the world. So I was very happy about all the feedback. But uh, uh, I don't know where it's going to go. It's an adventure. I really, When I was doing the off interviews with uh, the voice uh, team, the behind the scenes, they were asking me these questions about uh, what do you think, where do you think you're going with the voice and what's going to bring you. I really don't know. I'm, I'm just throwing myself in, in this experience without having, having any plan. Mm. So are you fully Lebanese? Both your parents are Lebanese? Uh, my mom is half Turkish, half Lebanese, and my dad is half Greek. Oh, so okay. yeah, we're very mixed in the family. <laughs> That's nice. That's the best way to be. So how, what was going through your head when you were standing on that stage during the first blind audition on The Voice? It must be kind of a surreal moment. Were you like present in the moment? Were you just freaking out? I was freaking out. You were? Oh my goodness. I'm very confident and I'm very, uh, very, uh, comment dire, sûr de moi when I was, when I'm on stage, I have, I have the, you know, le track, I have little 
little fear before going on stage, but it's my job. I do it really well, and I sing from my heart. But doing auditions is the thing that I fear the most in my life. Doing auditions or competition or something like this, it's not for me. And I realized that um, very early, but I didn't know that I was going to feel this at The Voice. So the waiting actually is horrible because we had to be there at six in the morning and I, and I recorded my, my part, you can, you're not going to believe it, at 12 midnight. Hmm. Wow. So I had, yeah, yeah, a full day, me waiting and uh, preparing my voice and I have to be ready all the time and be aware of what's happening and to keep the energy up, up, up. It was terrible. That's funny because when you watch it, you would never imagine that first that you're nervous or that it's happening at midnight. It kind of reminds me, actually, have you seen that episode of Black Mirror? No, not yet. They, oh, <laughs> you should watch list. it. And they have this like uh, this kind of same concept as the voice. And it's just such a such a weird world. So I imagine it must feel strange to be there as well. Um, do you feel like there's a real connection with the judges and stuff? Do you think they really invested in, in the performers and the artists that are there? Uh, look, uh, on, on the spot, when you're on the stage of The Voice and... Uh, there's this curtain that opens up and you have to walk and you have to get your shit done, actually. This is it. You have to be there and you have to deliver. You have no other choice. And this is the chance of your life. You cannot do it again. It's one shot. So I sang literally with all my heart and I kept the energy up, up, up till the last judge who turned because I, can, I couldn't lose any concentration. I had to be focused all the time and uh, to be focused on the technique, to be focused on my position, to be focused on my emotions because there was too many emotions. And when that is why I cried. I don't know. I don't know if you saw me crying, but at the end, I was so touched about these judges and their standing ovation, the standing ovation of the of the crowd for a minute and a half. And all these beautiful things that they said about me, about my voice, about anything that was happening during these uh, four minutes, uh, it was so moving, actually. So yeah. it, you know, I had to have five days to, to get over this, really. Sounds sounds amazing. Sounds like an incredible experience, really. Um, but now, now, after that happened, we've had the coronavirus, um, you know, uh, pandemic. Oh, this is terrible. It Very is. So luck. it must have really uh, put a stick in your wheels, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. So we have the battle. Um, I, I had to, uh, to to have my battle last week. It has been reported to this week. Uh, this Saturday, we're going to sing uh, uh, the battle with uh, Margot. Margot is uh, one of my uh, friends who's, who's with me in the team. She's from Canada, from Montreal. Yeah, I saw. Yes, I know who she Quebec. is. Of course, yeah, Margot, we all know so each other from, from there. Oh, We're really? You know no, I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my God, really? Yeah. What anyway, a coincidence. So Say hello. And she sings really. Sorry? <laughs> Say hi to her. Hi, Margot. Tu vas bien? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, Margot's so cute. And uh, so I had my battle last week. It has been reported to this week. And then we, we have the KO. And, and uh, I don't know what's going to happen because of the coronavirus. The lives had to be uh, scheduled for April, and I think they're going to postpone it. So, um, yeah, it's very messy right now. This is why we're living uh, Carpe Diem day by day. It's going to be a long process then, long, drawn-out yes. process. Yes, yes, yes. So, do you, do you write music? Do you write your own? Uh, no, you I write... don't. Oh, you don't? 
No, no, I don't. Unfortunately, you don't, you don't write your own words either, like your lyrics, no. which are called librettos, right? Is libretto, that what you call them? Exactly, and libretti in uh, plural. Libretti is uh, one. And libretto. Is, okay. Any other libretti cool words? Libretti is many, many, uh, many librettos. Oh, I see. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, there are all these terms. I was researching it today. It's like a whole world of its own. Yeah, it's a whole world. It's fantastic. If you get into it, you'll never, uh, you'll never wake up. Really. What, what do you think it is about about opera that made you kind of love it? Is it the uh, the drama? It's kind of like a very dramatic, romantic world. Is that what caught, got your like passion, or is it Actually, just the my performance? Pa- my my yeah. passion came because uh, my opera uh, culture uh, and education came with uh, Maria Callas. You know her, right? Mm-hmm. So Maria Callas is one of the biggest divas of the opera world who changed the the opera world and the meaning of the world opera. So in the 20th century, she took all these big, big, big operas and remade them and sang them with her heart, sang them. Uh, and she, 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 she fused the theater playing and the drama playing with the singing. So be, because be, before, when you used to sing opera, you had to be static. You couldn't move. You had to be like on one, not playing drama. And she made a comédie musicale out of an opera. And she created, actually, the opera with the staging, with the costumes. So when I was doing my opera education when I was a kid, so I was fascinated by these costumes, by the makeup, by the singing, by the crying, and the velvet, the glamour, the furs, the diamonds. And uh, when you're a curious kid... uh, like me, you're r- literally attracted by these kind of uh, patterns. Well, not and, all kids. Uh, I would say that's a pretty rare thing. I have never met a child who wanted to be an opera singer. I Not when I was a kid, not now. Like, you're the only person I've ever really Yeah, I was very different met. from everybody. Yeah, you're like a rare, exotic creature. <laughs> <laughs> You've but also... You know, not, yeah, go ahead. But, but I'm, 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 a, I'm a guy of the 21st century, you know, like I go out, I'm very trendy and I try to be uh, aware of the latest uh, fashion, technology and stuff like that. So uh, this is why I, uh, I don't like the image of the opera, of the, of the old fat opera singer. I work yeah. out. Uh, yeah, I'm a modern guy of my century. Yeah, so. yeah I know. I've, I've met you before and, and my impression of you was that you are very trendy, very stylish, like... Um, you kind of have like a kind of a star factor about you, but not in the typical opera way. It's much cooler. So Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But this is more natural. I'm not trying my best. This is very natural. So this is my world. I like to share it with the people and they, they like it. So this is great. So you've also dabbled in acting, right? Tell me about that yeah. film you played in last year, Khabsa. Yes, Khabsa. Khabsa is a wonderful experience because, like I told you, opportunities come. I don't seek them. Opportunities come and I choose to grab them or not. So uh, I was uh, I was contacted by this casting uh, director and she told me, uh, there's a movie, there's a Lebanese movie. And I told her, oh, please no Lebanese movies. <laughs> Why? Because lately the Lebanese movies, surtout les comédies, the com- les comédies, it was terrible. I don't like vulgarity, and uh, in Lebanon they really, really put everything in the vulgarity and the cheap acting. 
I'm not talking about the drama of Nadine Labaki because I'm a big fan of hers. Of course. But uh, talking about the comedies, I'm not a big fan. So I told her, is it a comedy? She told me yes. I told her, no, 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 no fucking way. She told me, no, 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 you have to, you have to look at the script. It's very well done. It's very well written uh, by Shadi Hanna, etc. So I googled the guy and he made actually pretty good movies. And he's funny. He's very witty. And I saw a little bit of his world and I saw a little bit of the cast that I was, that was going to play. And I saw the script. And I was reading this uh, this personality, uh, Alex. Actually, I was playing the the part of Alex, who's a gay guy, uh, super fun, uh, not vulgar at all, very decent, etc., and uh, Frenchy, so like me. And I told myself, oh, I will be acting. <laughs> I will be yeah, just, playing just had to show up and like have lunch, <laughs> walk around the set. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow, that's a great exactly. job. So. Um, I took the part and it, it was such a wonderful experience. I don't regret any second of it. That's amazing. What a lucky... What a, do you think... Uh, but did you enjoy it? Do you see yourself doing more of that? I loved it. And the more opportunity come, the more I will grab them if they're yeah. amazing like this. Really. Yeah, as long as, as long as you can just show up and be yourself. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's really cool. Um, before we go, can you sing a little song... Not too loud because we're rec- we're not recording. As you know, you know, sound recording is very tricky. But I'd love to hear you sing an excerpt of Carmen, which you mentioned earlier. Sure, sure. Because <laughs> I used to listen to that when I was a little girl. Actually, it was um, I loved music as well, and that's a very like moving piece. I was not a fan of opera, but that that music specifically is beautiful. Exactly. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> wow. Bravo. That's incredible. Thank you so much. I love it. It's really, uh, you have one of those voices, you know how some people like you look at them singing and it kind of, um, it's a whole persona, but your voice is kind of out of this world. It's like when you sing, you want to just close your eyes and you get carried away by the, by the vibrations of the music. It's really something unique. Thank you so much. Yeah, you have to be there mind for, for my next concert, I think, when uh, all this mess is going to be uh, over. Yes, I would love it. If you do one now, we can always set the chairs like six feet apart and like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll come. I'm not afraid. <laughs> it's worth it. Yeah, but uh, we won't be very glamorous and I won't be able to sing like literally with the with the mask on. Yeah, that's true. You don't need a mask. Those masks are overrated. <laughs> Anyways, on that note, thank you so much for joining me today. I wish you the best of luck, Matteo. Thank you so much for having me. If you liked what you heard, and I don't just need Matteo's beautiful voice, be sure to let us know by subscribing to the show and by connecting with us on Instagram at hakawadi.fm, on Facebook, or on my personal page, the Nadia Michelle. See you next time. Bye.